Yeah, so no handouts today. So, yeah, we're missing a lot of people. I think there's people sick. I know Dave and Shauna. I think you guys are online, homesick. Hi, guys. Uh, Shelly's sick. I saw several things on our WhatsApp group. I didn't. I didn't keep track of everybody, but Phyllis is is had I think family things, and Aaron and Jenny are out, and let's see Dave, Rob, and Mary. So we have a lot of. The Kenny cuts are, are anyway we're missing a lot of people make sure you're lifting up them in prayer um, so who here does not really know about mission focus like like the conference we put on you guys are all familiar with it yes and no so Mission Focus is MBT's annual missions conference. And, and, and we wanted to put it at the absolutely worst time of the year. So we picked between Christmas and New Year. No, we did that because all the college kids have come home from school. All the college kids are on break between semesters and the high schoolers are on break between semesters. And one of the main purposes of mission focus, it's not, it's, I don't know if you've been part of missions conferences in the past. A lot of times a missions conference at a church is we bring back all the missionaries and we put that spotlight on the missionary and we're like, these guys are our heroes. And then we get inspired by focusing on the, on the missionary. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. We had a banquet last night. We just loved on our missionaries and visiting church pastors because we want them to know, like, you're heroes. We thank God for you. But the focus of our, our conference, Mission Focus, is to get God's people focused on the mission of God, which is actually why we're, we're here. You remember the Purpose Driven Life book? Anybody read that? It was a good book. It was one of the most published books in history. You know why? The purpose-driven life. It's because people actually don't know why they're on the planet. They don't know what their purpose is. You ask people, why are you here? And they'll say something about fulfilling my destiny. And it's like, well, what is that? And they're like, well, I don't know. I'm still seeking that. Like, people don't know why they're on the planet. Mission focus is kind of like three days of, um, hey, this is why you're on the planet. So we do that every year. Um, and, and we always announce it. And then you guys are like talking through the announcements. So you don't know what's going on. And then you're like, what's mission focus? I don't even know what that is. So <laughs> All right, there's your admonition in, in the name of the Lord for this morning. So, um, no, I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic. But um, we just had that conference. Who was able to make at least a part of it, either online or live? Okay, so mission focus is a time where we, we separate out. Like I said, it's the hardest time of the year to do this between company and Christmas and family obligations and holiday stuff. 
we, we have this conference and half of you were working at it. We cleaned yesterday. Like <clears throat> it is hard, but, but it's a time where we separate as much as possible from all these things that, that, that are urgent tyrants for our attention, the, just the life under the sun. And then we just separate and we just focus on the mission that God has given us. And when we do that, and when we turn our antenna in the right direction, we get the message. It's not that God isn't speaking at other times. It's just we're always distracted. And so at Mission Focus, a lot of times we do hear the voice of the Lord. We get the the the, the inspiration from the preaching or we get guidance in a way that we wouldn't get otherwise. And so what I want to do this morning, instead of me just preaching, is I'd like to get some, some mission-focused testimonies. What did God show you? Now, if God didn't show you anything, that's fine. Don't make up something. But if God showed you something and you can take just a few minutes so that everyone has a turn and just share that with the rest of the class, that's the goal for this morning is, is you sharing with us what God showed you because we're never supposed, we're, it was never God's design that you keep your faith to yourself. But you can't stand up in the middle of Lee Riding's sermon and just like take over. But what we can do in the fellowships, which you can't do by yourself and you can't do in main service, is just share with others. Hey, can I just tell you what God showed me? And here's why this is valuable. That song that Daniel sang that was so amazing. Like, oh my goodness. Um, he said, you know, if my past is your present then you just need to know like jesus is coming something like that okay when you share what god showed you what you're doing basically is communicating i didn't understand this before but now i do okay god I, I didn't know, but then I, I listened and the Lord spoke to me through mission focus, and now I have an understanding that I didn't have. Okay, my present, okay, level of understanding, what you're doing is like there's other people who don't understand that because they didn't get that download. So it's, it, does this make sense, what I'm saying? I probably just confused everybody. That's okay. So, so Marla, can you come up? And I know Marla already, I'm not just calling her out. She said she had something. So Marla, come share with us a testimony from what God showed you at Mission Focus. Yeah. Because I never want to answer. <laughs> so there's a lot of things I got out of it, but I'm going to keep mine shorter. Um, the thing that I was really amazed with was the Albanian Bible Project and I mean, they can't read their Bible if they don't have something written in their language that they can understand. So if they can't read their Bible, how do they develop that relationship with God? Um, so like they had in 2020, a Catholic translation was brought to them and it had verses missing. That didn't surprise me because some of the other versions of the Bible have those verses missing, but they don't they aren't bold enough to print the verse number and he showed us where like they had verse 36 was printed out 37 was blank 38 was printed out so they put the verse in there but not with the words and uh how some of the words that we use like grace 
have a different meaning in their language. So they have to intricately uh, translate each word, not just, I mean, we when we were working with the Nairobi Bible translation, we were just using Word and doing a translate. And I thought, well, that's real easy. You could do that for every country. No, you can't do that. <laughs> they didn't even have an alphabet until 1908. Uh, yeah, that just really got to my heart, and I really felt like I want to be a part of helping translate Bibles. Wow. All right. <clears throat> so what Marla was referring to is a Bible translation project, and the way it was explained to us, okay, shed light on the precision of God's word, okay? And it, and it showed me very clearly, I have not fathomed the depths of this book. So that's how they would measure how deep the ocean is, is they drop down that line, one fathom, two fathoms, three fathoms, until they reach the bottom, then they would say, oh, it's 20,000 fathoms deep or whatever. That'd be a lot, I think. But, man, God's word is so intricate, and we don't really appreciate it. But if you if you watch what Marla is talking about and how this guy's developing this computer program and everything, it's amazing the, the how intricate, intricate and precise God's word is. And it's kind of motivating to, to get a handle on it better, so... Yeah, and so, Marla, you said you're motivated to be a part of translating the Bible. How, how, like, so you're going to move to Albania, or? So what are the ways Marla can be involved in Bible translation? Barely, yeah. Okay, there you go. And then you'll have fruit in that ministry because all those nerdy linguist people, like they know how to do that, and but, but they need to eat. So you know how to make money. They know how to, like, let's work together. Yeah, that's good. How else? Pray for them. God, God's system and structure <clears throat> necessitates that we pray for stuff. That's that's what he said we had to do, which praise the Lord. That brings us in line with his thinking, dependent upon his, it's actually a work of God that's that's taking place. Prayer is a beautiful thing, the way God set that up. But yeah, so we can pray, we can give, tell people about it. Yeah. I, I was intrigued by it because they were talking about word trees and redefining things. One of the things, I can back off what Marla was saying was, Words like grace and mercy. When you're coming from a background of uh, communism, what does that mean? Mm. Now you got to come back. Do you want to come do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I can't keep up with Keith. No, to piggyback on what Marla was saying was they were talking about uh, what's his name, Ozzy Yavi Arion was was talking about what it takes to translate something for an example is you got the um words like grace and mercy 
where's it, where are you coming from that from that background on the background they, they come from albania is coming out of communism he, and he was talking he mentioned that communism was had negative word negative connotations when we talk about grace now you got to come in and use the biblical idea of what does grace mean what does mercy mean so now you're going to come in and, and redefine that now he also went through a lot of stuff with the word trees and he used the aid with the uh, blue letter Bible and talk about what it means to do certain things. And I think one of the things I'm going to get this vague because I got on my notes, but, but didn't concentrate on talking about this part was when you got colors like uh, scarlet and purple and what it meant in the Bible and where, where you can find those things. And then he came in, the thing was you had um woman, there was the virtuous woman and the, well, I can't remember if you said the word, but basically something that's going to lie to deceive you to think that they're virtuous. So in your scripture reading, you've got the illegitimate version of, a, of what the church is, and you've got the legitimate version of what a church is. And in the scriptures, what he's finding out through the words, through the word first principle, how can you define where is that liar or the deceiver? Versus that one that is virtuous that we're supposed to be following and copy and emulating. Thank you. So, yeah, so this is, again, um, part of the precision of God's word. And we glean things from studying God's word that you don't get from reading God's word. But the principles of Bible study, you can't do it unless you have a formal translation of a received text. And it just like, there's a lot that goes into this. I would, so I, I guess probably just watch the first morning session and uh, yeah. Albanian Bible project dot something. Yeah. Okay. Who else has a mission focused testimony? <laughs> um, one of the things I talked to Dennis a little bit about it is part of my preparing for mission focus is I always think of oh, well, most part about thing about mission focus is in my preparing is that there's I don't like to work in the absolutes but I like to more work on it like on a sliding scale and when I think about focus I think of telescopic focus which I don't know if anyone remembers the old Gilligan Island episode where they ate all that radiated food and Gilligan became really strong. And then Marianne, Marianne ate all that, those carrots and she was able to see very far away. Superman has that has that telescopic thing. And then the other end of the scale is you've got Mr. Magoo, who is so nearsighted that when there's something in reality, he sits there and pretends that something's there that's not like a mop being a lady and, and treating such. So I'm always asking, where am I on that scale? Because... I struggle with leadership or visions of people telling me something that's way out there and yet I can't see it and I don't feel comfortable in that, in that realm in the terms of, Hey, we're going to get 20 people to do certain things. Okay. Let me see you do it. And I just, that's just my nature of that thing. And the class I took was the uh, bridging the gap between um, the Muslims and, and our biblical pre, biblical teachings and one of the things that i found what was unique is you always talk about the quran is their 
mainstay of Wiggle. But there's also the Hadith. And that's something I learned very, rather new. And the Hadith basically are the integral parts about how we live our lives, how many times you need to chew your food or how many times you need to visit somebody and can you touch a woman, when can you, and, and things of that nature. That's all done in the Hadith, which the Hadith was done word by word in the terms of like the telephone game over 200 years before it actually got codified into something where someone can say the Hadith said that. So in our ministry and when talking to people of Muslim faith, you got to find out, are they the simplistic Muslim who believes it just because the, the Hadith says it and don't talk about it? Or the you know where you, where you can find that? Because if they do anything in the Quran, that everything has to be done in Arabic. So I can't even tell you what it means in Arabic because I have to explain it to you in Arabic. The Hadith comes in and gets translated into an English where we can talk about those things. So those are that was my takeaway on on a on that from that class of Wagi teach. And he does have a web he put it on a WhatsApp uh chat group. So I've been asking questions to get more on that. And there was somebody who actually has their parents adopted some Muslim brothers. So they're adopted in the family so you can get a more of a feedback. Hey, what do they believe on this? What do they believe on that? What you can can talk about and one of the things that they have a hard time with is understanding that the Quran says that Jesus was never crucified. So you have to explain to them how is it that Jesus was crucified and and why would they why would he say why you have for not forsaken me being on the cross this is what he said so how, therefore how can he not have been Thank you Keith so are you like Mr. Magoo or are you like Marianne? I'm like where are you at in the Oh okay. <clears throat> if uh, a Muslim pulled out the Quran and told me this book says that Jesus was never crucified on the cross. My my response would be Interesting that they would put what never happened in the book. What else never happened? There's a lot of things that never happened that you would never think to write down. Which tells me it happened. And they're denying it. Why would you write down what never happened? That doesn't make sense. Paul. Also, the Old Testament um, legitimatized Christ as the Messiah by a thousand years or so, predates the Quran. So, yeah. Which came first. Right. And they have a lot of things that are tenets of their belief system. For example, there was never a Jewish presence on the Temple Mount, David was never king there. So anyway, all right. Any let's go back to mission focus testimonies. Ronell, come on. And then Christine, I think you you had one too. Okay. I'll believe that when when you're done. Amen. Um so I forgot who was actually speaking. I forgot who was actually speaking, but what I got from mission focus was I was more fearful to move with 
the way God wanted me to move in the past, what was done then. And I walked away from where I was from the Lord, still following him, but wasn't really answering what he told me to do. And so I created excuse after excuse. And I was like, well, here, not really excuse, but I, I tried to outreason God, though he kept putting me in the position to do what he told me to do. And so the other night it was, um, be our, what are you running from? And what is, um, I forget how, how they worded it, but why, why do we not move forward with what God told us to do? And my, my main one was fear. I, I have fear. I don't want to get rejected. I don't want to let everything go to my head, but by the grace of God, um, having that, come at me and I was like, okay, well, I'm going all in. And that was, that's, that's what the call was, was what I got from mission focus was, am I willing to go all in to whatever you want, Lord, then amen. So yes. And amen. And that's what I got from mission focus and time, <laughs> you know, so amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Yep. So are you comfortable sharing, like, what is God, do you know what God's calling you to? Yeah. Yeah. What's God calling you to? Yeah. Uh, God's calling me to ministry. Okay. I believe that, I uh, know that, and I believe he's placing me around a bunch of men who are about the mission to make disciples and go forward and do the same. Okay. So, all right, so he's putting it out there, which takes courage, right? Man, praise the Lord. Uh, who's willing to help him along the way? Yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. All right, Christine. <clears throat> I put you on the spot. Um, I was really impacted in the Women in Missions Conference on the last day. There was uh, Brooke Sidebottom. She came and talked about the three and a half years she, she has been in Boston. And, you know, it's it's so cool when God can use a, you know, 24-year-old or however old she is uh, to, to teach you about the word. And and I, I just loved it. But one thing that she talked about was um, a book that really was very instrumental to her that was written by Elizabeth Elliott called The Path of Loneliness. And uh, what she learned from that book and through her own path is that loneliness is a gift. And it's because when you're lonely and when you're having that, those dark times, it drives you to your knees and drives you to the cross and allows you to have that minute, uh, that moment where, where you're drawn closer to the Lord and you learn in a very real and deeper way than otherwise how to lean on him and rely on him because you can't rely on yourself and others around you in that time. And, you know, it, it must've been such a challenge to leave her family and leave her, her ministries and leave her friends and, and move to Boston. And, um, and she talked about, um, Self-pity is demonic is what she said. And it, it's just interesting because written by Elizabeth Elliot, who lost her husband in the um, jungles of Ecuador to people she they were trying to reach and lead to the Lord and they killed her husband. And then she's writing this book about being lonely and um, just feeling overwhelmed and 
but she she gave a couple of points and and how to con combat that loneliness. And she talked about arranging time to meet with the Lord, which I think also parallels what Chris was talking about in finishing strong and just having a getaway with God and what he's talked about this morning, asking God what your marching orders are and taking time to get together with the Lord and, and learn what he has for you. And so arranging time to meet with God, sacrificing your loneliness to God, um, refusing self-pity, do something nice for someone and uh, realize you're not alone and give thanks. And so there was just several things to combat loneliness that I thought was super great because it's, it's, you know, handholds on um, ways to truly apply uh, God's word to your particular circumstance. And for her, it was this loneliness. And so I, I thought that was really good. And um, just how to battle that, that sorrow, I guess, in that dark time. So anyway, that kind of impacted me. Um, the Path of Loneliness by Elizabeth Elliot. I totally want to read it. I totally want to read it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Who else has a mission focused testimony? Okay, Patrick. <clears throat> so maybe one, two more if they're short, and then we'll do small groups. So be thinking if you have something to share. Okay. I think uh, I'm the only one in here that got to go to Chris's breakout session, Finishing Strong. And so, Chris, I, I kind of want to put you on the spot if time allows for you to share a little bit about the illustration you used to kind of explain finishing strong, which I thought was very so practical. Uh, it's kind of like, basically it's, it's like going to a race, like a 5k. So Chris was in a 5k with Jeff Gracier, but I'll, I'll let him explain that if he has time. But so when we're going to a race, you know, you know, the thing you do, you, you know, you get a race packet, everyone, it has all your instructions. It has your course layout, you have your number, your fob for your time. And so you kind of know what you're supposed to do, where you're supposed to go, what your course direction is. And so, you know, Chris kind of helped explain that for us as believers, if you're, you know, our relationship with Christ, we, we have our course direction. We know what, if God is speaking to you, you know what course you should be on. And so like being in a race, you know, we have our, we have our, our course layout, you know, God's word. We have what direction we should be following if you're hearing from God. And so um, I think you might've used Samuel. I don't know if you use Samuel as a, an illustration, you know, cause Samuel heard from God and God spoke to him and said that I will speak to you, to, to the nation of Israel and that their ears will tingle at my word. So Samuel heard that, and he would make sure that he would not let any word fall to the ground. So um, one of the things he, he mentioned, or as we were going through Finishing Strong, we, we looked at uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And so in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, in verse 10, it says, um, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whether thou goest. So what what most people, you know, when we're going on this course, what's going to keep us from finishing? Um, it could be the grave. 
or well, I think you mentioned the rapture. Uh, it could be uh, the grave, or or some other things. I, I you know, I, I'm just kind of remembering the top of my head. But one of the things that stood out to me, you know, in, in Chris's practical example is let's get away, let's schedule a time away with God just to hear from God. Chris mentioned that he does this usually in January, a couple times a year. Um, and I thought, you know, I haven't done that. Um, I think I've done that maybe a long time ago, but it's, it's something I know I need to do. I need to hear what God has to say to know, make sure I'm on the right course that he calls for me. And, uh, one thing I'll just finish off and say is I don't want to be the guy that, that has a DNF, uh, do not finish. I, I don't want to be on my course and then just quit. I have every reason for things that I've been through stuff to want to just not want to finish, you know, life's hard, life happens. And, you know, maybe I, I have a lot of excuses that maybe would not want me to continue to finish what God calls for me. So I don't want to have the DNF when I'm, you know, when we're at the judgment seat of Christ that, well, I, I tried, I just, you know, just got too hard. I don't want to be that guy. So anyway, I, uh, I thought that was very, very powerful. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Any other uh, mission-focused testimonies? The message Patrick was referring to, <clears throat> um, you're, you're running a race. Did you know that? Okay. I don't know if you knew that. When you were born, whose idea was that? Was that your idea to be born into the human race? No, God just did that, right? Because he gets to, because he's God. And you were born and you were put into the human race. When you were born again, Jesus put you into a race. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul defines it for us. He says that I might be a partaker of the gospel with you. And then here's how we run that race. So the race you were put in when you were born again is to be a partaker of the gospel. God so loved the world, he left you here to win the lost. Okay, that's the purpose, driven life. That's why we're here. And by the way, that race existed before you came along. And your life when you were born again was added to that race. Okay? You don't add the race to your life with all the other things that you do, your life was added to that race. And every part of our life is now part of that race, whether we like it or not. And we looked at the word course. Your particular course is different than mine because your circumstances are different. Your gifts are different. So to find your course within the race, okay, you have to hear from the Lord. Okay, that's why you need to schedule a getaway with God where you just leave your phone, leave your tablet, get your Bible and a notebook and a pen and just get away with God and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? And then you get your course. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul's telling Timothy, fulfill the ministry you've received. He says, I have finished my, my course. Okay, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He says, I'm ready to depart because I finished my course. 
So he's not dead yet. He's not at the judgment seat yet. The rapture hasn't happened yet. So your finish line is not the grave. It's not your retirement. I probably should say that again. It's not retirement. We think about that all the time, like our finish line is retirement. It's not. And it's not the rapture. The rapture is the church getting taken out of the way after failing to win the world to Christ. When I return, shall I find faith on the earth, Jesus asked. I don't know. There's a great falling away. It's only a remnant who's going to be continuing to do what we're here to do. But, but the rapture is not our finish line. Retirement's not the finish line. Paul says, I'm ready to depart. He hadn't departed yet. He hadn't died yet. He said, I finished my course. Jesus was on the cross. He says, it is finished. He hadn't died yet. Grave is not the finish line. What is our finish line? It is the completion of the course. The things that God has given you to do, whether it's your Bible study, like, like I don't know what your course is. I know my course. So here's the thing. DNF means did not finish. So Jeff and I, okay, the Gracier son and I, we, we did a race together. And a storm came in and there was lightning. And I didn't get to finish because the lightning, the course people, they, they canceled the race. Now, why didn't I get to finish? Well, ask me. And I'm like, well, there was lightning. Yeah, but Jeff finished. I was just about 30 minutes behind him because he wasn't dilly-dallying and walking up the hill. Like he was running and he was racing smart and he was focused. And I'm like watching my heart rate, making sure I'm not overdoing it. Cause I don't want to be really uncomfortable on a. Okay. So I didn't finish. I got a DNF. Cause I didn't cross the finish line before time and chance happened. So here's the thing that Patrick, like, you can finish strong, you guys, but you can also DNF. So the judgment seat is the award ceremony after the race where they're handing out medals. And there's Jeff getting his medal. And there's me going, good job, Jeff. He's like, did you? I'm like, no. They gave me a participation medal out of pity, but I actually, if you go online to look at the race results, it says DNF. Did you ever get a DNF, Scott? Scott got a DNF. Okay, so there you've got a sad story too. All right. Don't DNF in life for the only purpose we're here. Because the rapture's coming soon. You're not promised tomorrow. Because because the passage in Ecclesiastes, the grave. It's a reality. Time and chance are realities. Therefore, whatever you do, do it with your might. And we looked at that in that session. So anyway, that's what I taught. So since you put me on the spot, I'll, I covered that. So, Scott. Yeah, we can do one more, and then we're going to break up into groups. So. So, so since we talked about DNFs, I'll tell you about mine. So I was a triathlon and uh, um, I got a flat tire and I had a patch kit with me, but it had actually, the tube had ruptured in enough places. I ran out of patches. And so my DNF was about being improperly equipped. I could have brought with me a spare tube. 
In fact, I had a spare tube. I wouldn't have even had to buy one. I just had to bring it and I would have finished that race. But I, I wasn't properly equipped. Now, the good news is, is that you're in a teaching church. There's no excuse for not getting equipped here for the mission. So um, the couple things I got out of mission focus. So there's a, uh, in Revelation 3, there's this verse that always, I know that you know it, but it always there's always a piece of it that I kind of didn't understand. Uh, 3.15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And I always thought, I looked at that, and it's like, okay, so... I weren't that you were a cold nor hot is, is the Lord really saying like, if you're not going to do ministry with the right heart, I'd rather you didn't do it at all. But that's, that's kind of what he's saying. It's like, look, the way you do ministry is as important as the ministry that you're doing. And so if you think about, the cold Christian, the one that that gets salvation, doesn't do anything, they're going to lose reward. But this kind of tells me like that lukewarm Christian is going to lose that reward too. They're not, they're doing things in the flesh and it's not with that right heart attitude. And they're, they're going to lose too. And not only that, they're actually making God sick over it. And so it, it just, it got me thinking about that there are times I'm pretty good about just, okay, whatever needs to be done, I'll do it. But there are some times when I groan inside and I really, I think I need to check myself on those things. So I'm not telling you to not do ministry. Just check your heart and uh, um, do it right. The other thing that really hit me was um, just this morning and uh he said, if the church disappears from the earth, will the people left behind notice the difference? And uh, um, it got me thinking about the, the deception. And, and the reality of it is, is we're going to disappear and there's going to be so little difference in the world. That's why the deception is one of the reasons why the deception is going to work. It's like they're gone. The world hasn't really changed that much. And so if it did change, then people might've gone, Ooh, but it's, it's not really going to change. And it got me thinking about, so this is going to sound like I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I'm going to bring it back. I hate spam email. Does anybody else, does anybody like it? Okay. Nobody likes spam email. Okay. I would love for it to stop and the spam phone calls, right? I would love for that to stop. The only way, the only way to get it to stop is if it doesn't work. If it costs them more to do it than the business they bring in, they will stop. That means that people are responding to that garbage. People are getting spam emails, they're getting spam calls, and they're actually buying in. And so... This whole thing with with the world and the and the difference, like 
I certainly do not want to leave this earth and have people go, oh my God, Scott's gone, right? I don't, I don't want my name to be great. But the only way my part of people missing the church when it's gone is, is the ministry. I, I want to minister in a way that when it's all said and done, that, that people will miss it and people will be impacted when it's gone. And that's, and I want to minister with you guys. I want us to all be part of it and uh, um, say what happened to living well. So that's all. <laughs> that's good. <clears throat> We're uh We've got 10 minutes or so. So let's do it. Just break up into small groups and pray together. If it's if it's needful, make sure you present the gospel in your small groups and let's just uh close out in small groups praying for each other. There's not set small groups, so you can just get turn around and get with the people around you whatever and uh we'll close out like that i love you next week we're going to be getting back into our israel as god's timepiece so looking at the present times in light of scripture